AI is great. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic tool. I use it every day. Uh, but it sucks at one particular thing. It doesn't know. Wow. Hi, Philip here, and welcome back to Careers 2.0. If you would have told me about a guy who built a following of 20,000 people on social media in just eight months, I would have asked you how much did it cost him and what kind of shady tactics did he use? But it turns out the costs can be just an hour a day of work. There don't have to be any tricks and the benefits can go way above just the follower number into tens of thousands of dollars in revenue. Let's meet the guy who did it. Here's Jakub Chubayevsky, or as you may know him, Content Kuba. Let's start with you and start with uh, Content Kuba. As a, as a fellow Paul, I know I can uh, pronounce your name flawlessly, <laughs> which I guess <laughs> many people may, may not. Um, but can you tell me the, the story behind Content Kuba? Because you actually started as Story Angled, right? That was your brand, but uh, you decided to move to Content Kuba. Some background as to why? When I started out on Twitter, I was indeed uh, Story Angled. Uh, my username was Story Angled. Because I felt that I was, uh, I'm supposed to, you know, show up as a business instead of a person. I was trying to be super professional. And um, what happened uh, is that after a while, after I shared some of my personal content, some of my personal stories, people resonated with uh, with those stories better. Uh, and they, you know, I, I was talking to many people who said, Hey, maybe story angled isn't uh, the best solution. Uh, maybe you should uh, uh, find, you know, connect yourself more to to the brand. Um, and that's basically how Content Kuba appeared. Uh, but it was, you know, a trial and error process. Mm -hmm. I, I for a month I was trying to figure out any like smart name for myself, and then <laughs> I was just like, whatever. Content Kuba has alliteration. It starts with both K, so it is it's good enough. <laughs> How does um, actor become a content person? Oh, and that's a story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so basically, yeah, indeed, I started as an actor. Uh, I uh, since I was twelve years old, I was playing in professional theater, um, and then I I planned to go to acting school because it was like an obvious choice. Mm -hmm for me because I, I have been doing it forever. Uh, so I, I applied to three uh, Polish uh, acting schools and unfortunately um, I went to the finals in, in both, uh, in two of them and uh, in two of them I didn't make, uh, make the cuts and then slowly, slowly um, I started discovering different aspects of marketing, you know, digital marketing, content marketing, SEO. Yeah, so all of those piece by piece started to form a um, a picture in my head that I was like, okay, this is nice. This satisfies me as as a career. It may be a good thing to pursue. I think uh, you already had your uh, entrepreneurial spirit. If you're saying, you know, like I think every, almost every creator tried many different things from dropshipping to to video making. I think, yeah, so so the entrepreneurial spirit was, was there already. But how did you end up on Twitter then? How, how did that become platform of choice? So before September 2022, when I started, mm -hmm. 
earlier that year, so in February, I started uh, my first full-time job as a in-house content marketer yeah. for an app, uh, HR tech app, and they needed someone to to help them with writing content, optimizing blog. By then, I had some knowledge because I've been working, I've been doing some gigs um, for different s- small businesses locally. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that it might be a great opportunity to actually put those skills I gained into practice. And um, I didn't have like any background before in specifically content marketing, but I was like, yeah, fake it till you make it, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But when I landed the job and I really resonated with the team, I got to work. This was the time when I, when I started to read a lot about content. I started, uh, you know, networking with content professionals. I started Mm -hmm. really building my uh, knowledge base about content marketing, exploring this space. It was, you know, I was constantly at work. It was like a because I fell in love with a, with a topic so much, I spent um, you know my free time reading about it, learning more about it. It it's I am this kind of person, and when I find something that drives me, it 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 becomes like my passion instantly. So uh, it it has a good side and a bad side, of course. Uh, but uh, but what I um, what I did was gather a lot of knowledge and started applying the knowledge right way. So if I read about something. Uh, I tried to incorporate it into the process, uh, a content marketing process in in the for my employer then, um, and I managed to, you know, uh, gain some success um, with with what I did. Uh, I came up with some nice projects for them. They 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 worked, and yeah, it was it was great. So in September, I decided, hey, maybe it might be a good idea to start sharing those pieces of knowledge I gained maybe someone will you know similar to me needs someone like that who tell them uh, how to advance in content marketing Mm -hmm. yeah so um, I didn't have like a clear plan that you know I will in 30 days I will become the content marketing mastermind blah 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 no it was complete accident that uh, like uh, it was complete uh, completely unplanned uh, journey. I was like, okay, let's go to Twitter. Let's start posting about content. Let's see what happens. <laughs> okay, so w- what happened is uh, you gained 10,000 followers in like less than half a year and then almost doubled it in another few months. So, yeah, I, I mean, let's just, let, let's just ask you this question and get over with the podcast, basically. How? <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> okay, um... Yeah, I uh, just recently, uh, just a side note, I just recently read a newsletter uh, about how every creator has this story, uh, this inspiring thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, it happened? <laughs> no, uh, I, will t- <laughs> I will tell, I will tell how, how I did it. And, um, but there is nothing exciting about this. And just uh, to prep you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm I'm not fishing here for some sort of uh, you know uh, childhood trauma that you try to yeah. overcome with content marketing on Twitter, but but you did it. And and there's honestly there's so many people that start on Twitter. I see people that have been sharing consistently great quality content for months and years even, and they don't achieve such success as you did. So you did something right, even if it was not backed by some amazing story. Yeah, yeah. So um, what I did um, since I started in September, there wasn't like even one day when I didn't show up on Twitter. 
uh, when I posted something, when I when I engaged with uh, with uh, mm -hmm. with my community. So uh, what really helps, and uh, it's not sexy in any way, is showing up. It's showing up as you show up to work. Uh, I treat Twitter as my other job. Uh, so if I if I show up on Twitter, I you know I have a timer. I have like a focus music. I, I really am focused on the task because this is my, you know, I, I build my brand. This is, yeah. this is, this is not something to, uh, to treat as a fling, uh, as something, you know, secondary to, um, to your, uh, overall, uh, presence in, or your career. Uh, so that's how I, that's was that was my mindset from the beginning. This is my job. I need to treated with such dedication that I do any other content project. So that's that was one part. The other part of it was, of course, uh, networking with people. So um, first few times when I sent DMs to people, I just hit the send button and ran away from my phone because I was like so ashamed. I was like, oh, this is so bad. Why, why do I do this? Because I'm socially awkward. <laughs> usually and you know when i when i was trying to be super nice in those dms and i was like i was sending them and then then i just closed my laptop and and go for a walk just to forget that i did it you're cringing at your own messages yeah 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 <laughs> and uh, um and then you know it became one message after the other it became easier and actually what really helped is the community the people that 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 i found on twitter they um they were the the thing that that made me fall in love with the platform that made me stick to it and because i started to uh form like real life relationships just recently during our uh national holidays in poland uh, at the beginning of may i went to berlin to my friends that i made on twitter uh, which was the first time i you know uh, i met in real life someone from twitter it was super good it was like kind of insane the first thing I said to them was, "Oh, you are real." <laughs> <laughs> okay, but 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 there's clearly a process behind it. Um, so I, I saw you, and actually, when I checked a lot of successful uh, Twitter creators, they post like sixty or eighty mm, tweets per day. That's not counting DMs, of course. So that's like a lot. So you mentioned you have a timer and specific music. Uh, can you say a bit more about how the process looks like? How the focus looks like? The algorithm on social media works in a way that rewards you if you give the algorithm attention. So if you use the platform as it's intended to to be used, uh, then the algorithm is like, okay, this is a power user. We are going to reward this user with you know more followers, more exposure. They they see a lot of our ads. You know we make money off of them. Let's let's reward them. Uh, this is the first thing that you need to know. And based on that, I figured out a system that allows me to engage uh, like three times a day. Uh, I show up on Twitter three times a day uh, for now it's 20 to 30 minutes. Then it was like 30 to 40. So I it just fell down a bit because I have like other things. But, um, but usually it's around an hour and a half per day on right. Twitter. And this is like those 60 and 80 tweets, uh, 57 of them are uh, replies or, you know, engagement with other people. So what really is important here is to, um, 
when you show up on Twitter every day, first you engage for 15, 20 minutes. Then uh, I use a tw tweet scheduler. So it automatically posts a tweet for me. Uh, for example, I start engaging at, um, um, I don't know, 10 a.m. And at 10.20, I have uh, I have a tweet scheduled. So I engage until 10.20, then it's, then it's posted. And then I engage for a little bit more. Uh, and then it basically preps the algorithm, the disengagement before, right before you post. It preps the algorithm and uh, helps the users, helps uh, elevate your new post. Got it. That's a beautiful golden nugget. <laughs> That's a... Uh, do, do, did you see any changes in the algorithm recently, especially? I saw even like that someone figured out when the algorithm went open source, I think, like what kind of multipliers there are to specific actions on, on platform. Uh, have you seen, for example, I heard that threads don't perform that well anymore. Is that the case? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. The algorithm changed significantly once, um, you know, once Elon became a Twitter CEO. And I associate those changes with him 100% because uh, for I know a little bit of behind the scenes, you know, it's available. You can read. Yeah. Uh, if uh, and um, and what I noticed is that the Twitter became some kind of a toy in his hands. So he started tweaking things in the algorithm, and it's very apparent. If you are deep into the platform, if you are you know analyzing stuff, you start to see uh, huge changes. For example, threads, as you said, are not performing well anymore, uh, or not as well. Uh, the second thing, what I noticed is that um, the political part of uh, algorithm, so, you know, categorizing people depending if they're Democrats or Republicans, um, the, the specific line, author is Elon in the algorithm. Mm -hmm. These are the things that concern me. Uh, and both as a creator, as a, someone who invests time on the platform, uh, but also, but also, you know, as a human, um, that, that this is something weird is happening. Yes, there are changes. I've been losing, uh, I've been seeing, for example, that my car follower count is, uh, going from 18.7 to 18.2 to 80.4 to 80.1. And it's like jumps from hour to hour as if there were some bots appearing and then they are you know suddenly taken uh -huh. away from my account and then they reappear and they are taken away very weird i don't know what's happening i saw that you say that it's really important that you measure the kpis and the statistics from the very beginning so you know what the goals are and what are you aiming for so what did you aim for at the very beginning what were the kpis for you and how did it change over time when I started, uh, as I said, it was completely unplanned, and then I figured it out later in the process. But when I uh, when I figured it out, definitely what I wanted first is to get is to get as much traction to my content as possible. So get as many eyes as possible, mm -hmm. uh, because people say likes ain't cash, but I think if an account with one hundred thousand followers says likes and cash then fuck you, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not that. Um, uh, he, they can say it because they already have the cash, so. And you know, they're saying that because they have the likes and they don't want you to have the likes because they will have to share the likes with you. 
and they don't like sharing. I'll remind you about it, by the way. When you have 100k followers, I'll remind you about it. <laughs> yeah, I would never say likes and cash because, because they are. Because they are. Um, what I uh, was planning first was to gain traction. And then I tried to uh, pitch my, you know, services, mm -hmm. starting to share some stories, starting to share some case studies. So this was a very, very, if you are a marketer, if you are a marketer listening, this was a very classic uh, funnel uh marketing funnel so top of the funnel is to gain as much attention as you as you possibly can middle of the funnel is to answer the biggest concerns people might have about you and the bottom of the funnel is the basically push people to convert so become your customers or or buy your products or download your freebies the whole funnel has taken place on twitter only different types of content at different time or you try to convert people to go to your blog to join your mailing list at first, it was 100% through Twitter. All of my clients uh, to this day come from Twitter. Um, and uh, what happened then, uh, after after a few months, I started my own newsletter. Uh, I started building my list. And the first time I tested uh, another, like connecting to two things together, so my Twitter and my, my uh, list, uh, was when I launched my course, um, Content Launchpad, and I and I basically took uh, invited people on Twitter to join a secret email list, uh, and then I nurtured them with content. Before I showed them the journey behind the scenes, I you know basically prepped them for uh, for conversion, made them excited, and then um, I I launched the product 24 hours before the official launch to my email list and 90% of the sales, I think, I don't know the numbers, but uh, a lot of them uh, were only from this email list. Yeah. So it was super, super like simple and, you know, without distributing the info a lot on, on Twitter. Are you able to put cash value um, for a Twitter follower versus an email subscriber for your yourself, of course, in your business? So the way I see it in terms of my following uh, right now, um, the value of my follower, each of my follower is at least $1. Uh, so my revenue grows with my following uh, mm -hmm. by this by this measure, by $1. Uh, and uh, with uh, with my email list, it's, uh, it's much more because I had just one launch. You know, I didn't sell anything since. Um, but... Um, to to say like it was like mid taken offer so it was like three hundred dollars, um it's like forty dollars for for a subscriber. Significantly more than yeah. than one follower, um and that does the does the funnel end now with uh, with the once run uh, cohort course or the actual end of the funnel is now the services that you provide. I didn't want to upsell people on the course. I was uh, the course was a test run, uh, 100%. So I it was the first time I did it. I did something like that. Like that, it had many problems. It had many holes in it. Uh, I was super excited that people decided to join and decided to support me and provide feedback because and they decided to pay me for it. Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. So it was it was uh, an absolute madness. But also, you know, I offered them a lot of additional time. So, for example, one of the uh, things that people really enjoyed is that I did two 
types of meetings for two time zones. So one part of the globe met with me at one time, at Mondays and Thursdays, and the other part at Tuesdays and, and Fridays. Uh, yeah, so they, they said that they never experienced someone did this. Are you a proponent of lunching before it's ready? Like you said, that there were a lot of holes and uh, like, d did you think it was perfect and it turned out not to be that perfect? Or you knew like it's better to lunch and then the test run sort of perfected over time? Exactly. Exactly. This was, this, this was it. I was 100% not sure <laughs> if I'm ready to launch at the last second, you know, to the last second I was like, hell, maybe I should, you know, cancel, re refund them all. And, and yeah. the, the um, <laughs> imposter syndrome was crazy. Um, but I just, you know, I just swallowed the, the, the pill and I was like, you know, screw it. Let's, let's just do, let's just do this. And, uh, it turned out to be super fun people. Uh, even if I, you know, if I didn't know answers to some questions, if I didn't, you know, I messed up some slides or I lacked someone, something, we just kept caught up uh, during a different meeting. We, we filled the holes and it was great. Not, nothing bad happened. So what's next for that course? Are you planning to do more cohorts with time or convert it into something that is more time independent from you? Or that's the value of the course actually? How do you see it? What I definitely plan is to engage the community around the course more. So uh, because I built the community, there are a lot of people there, but unfortunately the community isn't as engaged as I would like it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't as involved. And I really want to um, build like a, you know, a place where content creators and people who want to use content in their businesses can come and get tons of value from. So this is the goal. But uh, in terms of cohorts, because one of the things that I learned about myself during this course is that I hate cohorts. Oh, it demands a lot of attention from mm -hmm. me. You know, it steals a lot of time. It requires a lot of preparation. So I decided to um, record the the whole course on video. Mm, I'm working on it uh, now, and you know, use some interactive materials, use assignments, use interactive content as well to engage the the people involved in the course. I want to stay in contact with with people who who do who do the, the lessons. So you can spend the time then actually in the community and engaging maybe yeah. outside of the, the, the teaching itself part, right? Exactly, exactly. What really stood out to me is that people during the course, during the cohorts, uh, they really seemed invested in, in the community part because that was, that was actually the point I was most afraid of. I was afraid that I didn't, I, I, I didn't present them enough value in the community that they will engage, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. they, they started to appear. They started to uh, to show up and engage with each other, which was perfect. A couple of times we mentioned community already, but we mentioned it in many different ways. So here we have a course community. Then there's the Twitter community. Um, community is very important, but how do you build it? Is it just through content or the DMs or you actually met with those people over Zoom and then build like stronger relationship and build upon that? How does it does it start? I did all of those things. So in terms of the process, I feel like it all happens simultaneously. If you are super engaged and you really care about it, people start to reach out to you people, uh, or you reach out to people because you want to connect. Um, of course, it's a natural thing that uh, if you talk through DMs, 
then you hop on calls and then you you know you come back and forth with um uh, with messages yeah so you you start connecting with those people people and uh, what i what i think is the most important like above all is to answer why do you want to do it because i i see a lot of people doing networking as networking so building business relationships and then we are all about business and we just want to sell to each other uh okay uh i don't want to i don't want to do that when i reach out to someone i never pitch myself this is the rule of you know my first rule um my code of ethics never pitch yourself in the first message if somebody needs help of course you can offer it but if this is not called for or asked for don't do it but do you pitch yourself later on I receive a lot of I receive a lot of cold messages, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh -huh. you name it, and many of them are not pitches straight away. People um, often say, "Hi, Philip, I saw your content; it's amazing." Even though I have like a couple posts, and they say, "Can I ask you a question?" And ob obviously, it's not a pitch yet, right? They're just trying to build yeah. a relationship, but I already feel it. I already know uh -huh. that wh wh where the relationship is going. Um, do you have some sort of way to do it that doesn't? invoke those feelings in people maybe you make a praise or something they did and that leave it at that or some other way of course the topics that we talk about involve content creation in some way or the other mm -hmm. but i'd never try to you know direct the conversation no you know and you can't have anyone as your client uh if somebody trusts you enough to share some problems tell you their story about content or the problems they have with content etc so then you can start uh, discussing with them and showcasing your expertise and that you can help them and you can you can offer your services then so this is what i what i, uh, what I mentioned like the, this being called for uh mm -hmm. but but asking questions just to pitch yourself just to make sure that i get your attention um this is sketchy for me, and if it works, it works, of course, maybe. And but uh, but I like in my way of doing business, there is never a place to you know be very upfront about your services unless it's a job description, mm -hmm. you know, or somebody directly tweets, "I'm looking for a content marketer, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Yeah, of course, this is there. Once again, this is called for. But yeah. going to someone and saying, hey, I see your content, now buy from me. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, I, I have a, not necessarily a counterpoint. I'm a sales guy by trade, right? So I uh -huh. send a lot of cold messages to people. Um, and, I, and I see two things working. On one hand, you have people that genuinely want to build relationships. It may go into business, it may not, but you're genuinely interested in the person that you're, uh, that you're trying to have a conversation with. And on the other hand, you have people who want to sell you something, but they are upfront about it. I have this mm -hmm. offer, that offer. It's great. If you're not interested, that's okay. But I think it's going to be a great fit for you. And then 90% of pe people are somewhere in between, somewhere in the middle. So it's like, hey, I don't want to be too salesy, but I would like to sell you something. And that's, yeah. I think, is the, the, the worst. So I would say, yeah, I agree with you completely. Genuine relationships. And if you have to pitch, then just do it. <laughs> Give yeah. me the offer that you have. Exactly, and I do it in a very straightforward way. When when this appears, I go just, hey, 
I have this service. I do content marketing as a freelancer. I have my business. Can you, I can offer you this, 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 and this? Are you interested? This is this is I'm tell I'm talking to you as a business right now, not as a friend. If you don't care, if you don't want my help, whatever, we just come back to a normal conversation. If somebody approaches me and says, "Hey, I have a digital marketing agency. We do, or, or maybe graphic design agency. We saw your banner." I think it sucks. I have another proposition for you. Uh, here it is, and I'm like, hell yeah! If it, <laughs> if I like it, of course. Then you, then you're a very um, resistant to criticism. <laughs> if people come to me and tell me that my stuff sucks, I get very defensive very quickly. You know, like <laughs> no, it doesn't. But uh, but yeah, I get your point, and sometimes it works absolutely. But okay, then let's talk about your business. Let's talk about the the content part and your expertise. Um, let's start with the obvious question, and I know the answer a little bit because I saw your content about it quite recently. Um, are you going to be out of the job because of AI? Um, yeah, <laughs> I hear that. I hear that three times a week at least. Um, so this is nice. This is a very good topic for another podcast. But uh, yeah, to to make long story short, no. Uh, and, no, this is, this uh, is the podcast I'm... to talk about it. This is the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, Actually, no, I, I'm not out of my job. I am on the contrary, actually, I've never had more clients <laughs> since AI dropped. Um, but um, honestly, when when ChatGPT launched, I was afraid. I was feeling like, okay, things will change. Algorithms will change in terms of you know SEO. People start will start to con generate AI content and it will happen from the bottom up, not from the top, top down. Um, I was like, I was thinking that because people will generate a lot of AI content, algorithms will, will adjust to it. Yeah. But it didn't happen still. Yet. Mm -hmm. We see that algorithms are changing uh, and they're adjusting to, uh, to the new world we live in now that AI is out and it's super accessible. Uh, but at the same time, we don't have we don't have Google saying telling us, "Hey, don't create content, don't invest in content marketing. You can just, you know, type a prompt, or you can buy content from from our generator." Um, and uh, it didn't happen. So, so what I think is the most important now as a content marketer, co content creator, content writer, is that uh, you invest a lot into your editing process, into fact checking. Uh, into uh, depth of the content because AI is great. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic tool. I use it every day, uh, but it sucks at one particular thing. It doesn't know examples. It doesn't know stories. It doesn't know like real life situations, mm -hmm. really resonant situations. Because uh, even for example, like uh, when you ask um, AI, as, give me an example of a successful content marketing campaign, uh -huh. and it will give you like very high level example of I don't know HubSpot, Slack, yeah. SEMrush. Of course, they are like super good at content marketing because they have like endless budgets. But when I plan content for a small business that talks to small businesses, and I have to give to them like relevant examples. Why the hell should I give them an example about SEMrush yeah. or HubSpot? And I can't ask AI, hey, can you list stories of small businesses from Cleveland that achieved <laughs> huge success with content marketing? No, it's, it will be 
completely and you know especially sure. because it has endless it doesn't have endless knowledge it it has knowledge up to a certain point and what really matters for me as a content marketing marketer now is to keep in mind be be super like observant be be aware of what's happening around you react to it and note it down note uh, good examples of success stories yeah. note the progress that you've made for your clients or for for the company you work in um share share like real resonant stories this this is the whole point ai can help you structure it ai can help you proofread it um but ai won't replace you in this way so how do you use it do you use it uh, for idea generation or just for proofreading and editing basically i use it very in very different ways so i'm like i'm not against ai in any way i mm -hmm. use it i am super interested in the in the concept i use it for idea generation i use it for generating repetitive stuff so for example faqs um or meta titles meta descriptions uh, headlines uh because sometimes you when you have to write write a headline for a blog post you are ah uh, whatever i have to come up with one thousandth headline this this week and and i'm super and then i type a prompt and it comes back to with 10 headline ideas like this and i'm like hell i just didn't waste two hours i saved two hours i just i can move on to another task it can multiply your output but at the same time you have to be reasonable because at the, at the same time you have to still be aware if this output is relevant to your business target audience context of the text itself or the marketing campaign itself yeah yeah it's much deeper than just you know i can relate uh, you know after when i prepare for my interviews uh, i write about the content creator and i write the questions and uh, i do it in notion and then i always mm -hmm. ask the notion ai maybe the, the AI, ai has some good suggestions uh, for yeah. questions and the stuff that it comes up with is so generic that i think i would be the worst podcast host ever if I, if I ask everyone basically the same questions, there is no nuance. Uh, of course, someone would say that I'm just a very shitty prompt engineer. But still, if, if I cannot do it easily and have something very creative and, uh, and relevant, then probably it's not there yet for me as well. A lot of people don't realize, which is shocking to me, the way that AI, generative AI works. So it connects word before with the next word. <laughs> so it's it's just that and that's why it's generic that's why it's not in depth you have to remember that it's super good at creating logical strings of texts but that's it do you have some favorite tools or are you talking just to chat gpt or there because there's so many right now uh, yeah so uh because chat gpt is the most accessible for me uh, in my opinion i use chat gpt uh with a like a, a chrome uh, extension for saving prompts and, and ready mm -hmm. prompts. Um, I used Notion AI before I was in the alpha stage of Notion AI. I really enjoyed it. But then I didn't see the, the need for it mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just the same. Um, yeah, so uh, so so that's it. And I use uh, paraphrasing tools, uh, mm -hmm. which are super great for especially uh, for things like repurposing content on social media or even it's part of my proofreading process or edit editing process. This might be useful for people. So if you are not a native native English content creator and uh, you struggle to sound like a native, 
th these tools can really help you find the right uh, connection between words and find the right flow of, of language uh, to, to help you sound um, as if it was written by by someone from, from the United States. Yeah, tools like Grammarly or Hemingway that yeah. used to be uh, industry standard, I, I guess they're they're going to have some business problems, maybe. I don't know. I don't wish them that because I like them very much, but they became they became useless uh, right now, basically. Uh -huh. um, but that's actually a very good segue to um, something I wanted to, to ask you about. Um, you mentioned in your content the secret sauce, right? Something that, that makes you unique. And, uh, and AI cannot do that yet. They uh -huh. make you unique. So how important it is to be original uh, with your advice and your content? Like when I see... Um, your content, for example, I see a lot of um, value and I see a lot of uh, personality, but I also see structure of the tweets and I see the topics of the tweets that are getting popular all over the place, right? So how do you add the secret sauce to, to, to stuff that, that works? You can sound like anyone else uh, and it's super easy. Just notice what's popular right now on Twitter, copy it, copy it, and it will work. Um, and that's okay if you just aim to generate a lot of attention around your brand. This mm -hmm. is great if you are okay as a person with posting a lot of platitudes uh, because people like those. And um, it's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong, wrong about that. We have so many triggers around ourselves that, you know, something digestible, something easy, something easy to understand, to comprehend. It's, it's a good one. It's something that soothes us. Uh, but for um, for me as a creator i think of the person that i'm talking to so the founder of a company that needs content marketing i each tweet that i post even if it has a lot of personality you know which i'm now showing more on twitter even more because i stopped caring so much about the platform because i i'm thinking a lot of things will change in in the, in the upcoming months um, but even if I post something super personal, I share it in a good structure with a good amount of white space. It's well written. Uh, I showcase my skills. I always try to, you know, make make sure that the tweet shows that I am a uh, decent writer. Uh, mm -hmm. I can I can write good social content because that's just a part part of it. I'm, for example, I perceive myself as being a better social writer than the content writer like blog post writer uh this is my forte i i like copywriting i like you know shocking people i like uh, catching people's eyes uh, generating emotions emotional reactions this is something i get from theater uh this is this is something that i used to do in in theater i i aimed to to basically inspire people to feel something and this is what I do with my writing as well. So what are the differences uh, in the skills that you require for a social writer and a content blog writer? There is a lot more uh, journalistic approach to blog post writing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to get deep into research. It takes a lot of time. It's a, to write a good blog post, it takes a huge amount of time. Like really good blog posts, not just, you know, fluff. Mm -hmm. um, and there are not many content writers who do it properly. I know a few. I can, you know, I can count them on my one hand. Um, but, and this is something I don't have necessarily a lot of patience for 
Uh-huh. I, uh, you know, I enjoy the process if I have time. So if I have the place, for example, if I have a week to complete an assignment, I will do everything I can to make sure that the blog post is good. It's 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 well written. It's it has the the same qualities as a good blog post writer will do it. Maybe I still lack experience, and maybe if I did it for I don't know five ten years, I it will become my second nature, and uh-huh. I would be much more um, swift into uh, to to create to create at, at scale those kind of blog posts. What is the proper uh, quality blog post then? You said that there are things that make it proper. Not many people can do it. What are those qualities? Is it just be, uh, based on the research or is it also the SEO values of, for example, of, of the blog post? So SEO is another, it's more a technical part of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the structure of the blog post, so uh, what uh, what I think a good blog post is, is a... Um, story that takes people from A to B to C to D to, that takes them through the process of uh, figuring out a, a solution to their problem, uh, answering their pain points, uh, telling them the how they should do such things, some some things. How do you then balance uh, content that is optimized for search engine and content that is optimized for audience that takes them from A to B to C and so on? It's actually not... Uh, Exclusionary. One doesn't exclude the other because uh, if you talk about things that your audience is really interested about and they show this interest in search engines uh, because they ask questions, um, then you take those questions, you answer them with your content, and naturally they will have those keywords. Naturally they will have a um, a proper uh, optimization mm-hmm. um, flow. Or and another part of it is, for example, like. If the readability of the content happens at the stage of editing or structuring the content, so you add bullet point lists, you add numbered lists, you uh, include um, I don't know images with with examples of, to visualize your points. These are the things that are all parts of SEO, but they are super integral with with the blog post, good blog post writing. You would agree with the notion that it's better to write for people. Uh, because the search engines also are optimized for for people's yeah. attention. Absolutely, there is nothing else to do it. Like, who else is using search engines? Dogs, AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even AI. Somebody asked me this today. Uh, what I think about how the AI will impact SEO. Uh-huh. Someone high in in Microsoft, uh, responsible for implementing Bing Bing AI. Uh, they uh, they mentioned that nothing changes in terms of. Uh, quality of the blog post or in terms of the actual writing process because AI has to be fed with information somehow and what is the better source to feed it with information than blog posts. Of course it has some elements in the I think schema markup so it's a little a little advanced uh, but it's basically the uh, the code that you put on the website with with the blog uh-huh. blog post for example that uh, helps the search engine or ai search engine in this context understand uh, the structure of the blog post the um, what the blog post is about the category etc etc so yeah it's super it's not complicated nothing bad happens in terms of seo and ai all right let's move back to the um, social content that that is yeah. uh, that you like the most um 
I have um, shitty content and it doesn't work. It, I create it and it doesn't resonate with people. Where do you start uh, the audit? Where would you start the audit? Where would you start fixing it? How would you look at uh, un unperforming content? Yeah, first of all, I would need to ask you who you are talking to. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is the, I know this is a thing that people always say and it's like 100 and one time someone will say it, uh, but research your audience. <laughs> I know, I know, I know it's it sucks, uh, but, but it really pays off. So uh, define your target audience, see who is exactly the person you, you are trying to reach with, with your content. So this is the first point. Um, second point is um, your structure. So how do you how do you talk to them? Mm -hmm. So uh, when I know, for example, that your audience might be founders or uh, I know marketing managers that need need uh, or sales teams managers. Oh, maybe let's call it because it's your content. Um, sales teams managers, and uh, you talk to them. With, with a language that they don't understand or they find cringy, they find problematic, they find, uh, yeah, they don't resonate with it. And how do you check it? You check their profiles. You check uh, how do they talk to other people? How do they express their thoughts, concerns, etc. Uh, and you basically try to fit in, in in this narrative. That's why, for example, there are people who um, who say that templated hooks are bad, we shouldn't use templated hooks, we shouldn't use templated stuff, but I don't necessarily think they are bad. As, as long as you provide value and you use them responsibly, so you don't just copy-paste. You mentioned about researching your audience, and I want to know how do you research your audience, and where do you learn? Uh, where do you learn from, from what people, what resources, directories, where do you get your new knowledge from? Uh, this is, once again, not a lot of sexy work. <laughs> <laughs> Basically spending a lot of time on the platform, uh, looking from by keywords, by hashtags, by uh, spying on people a little bit. It's, <laughs> uh, it's very hard on Twitter, actually, because Twitter is... Um, Twitter SEO isn't as um, extensive as, for example, LinkedIn SEO. Because uh -huh. if you type in content marketing on LinkedIn, it, you show a lot of people show up. Uh, and for Twitter, it struggles to define people who are actually interested. I think of it as an ongoing process, like something never ending, that mm, when you start it and you have to be super, like you have to look out for, for those signs that people are expressing their beliefs, aspirations or fears uh, about, uh, about uh, the topic you talk about. And uh, and you just have you make sure you have a place when you note it down when you when you talk to um, when when you talk to people just you just have a place to note it down and uh, keep it um, to come back to if you need inspiration for your content as well. A lot of manual work, but I guess it pays off. Yeah, yeah, mar mar marketing. It sounds easy, but it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it requires a lot of time. Well, not what all the courses for Twitter growth would have you believe. Uh, oh. According to them, it's just 10 minutes per day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have engagement groups, yeah, sure. Do you think they're a good idea to have like those? Uh, I don't know if you mean the same thing, but I, I see a lot of on different platforms, uh, engagement pods 
sort of artificially generated uh, likes and interactions among mm-hmm. a group of people. Do you think that this is a good idea? No. I tried it. Uh, 100% transparent. I tried it. I was uh, super curious how it works. I was. I've, it felt too good to be true, and it is too good to be true. One thing to note is that there are communities, like content engagement communities or groups, mm-hmm. that are... Uh, that work, but they are usually paid and they are, you know, high ticket offers. So for example, there is a huge community with a lot of marketing influencers that you have to pay $50,000 to get in a year. But how such a community helps? Is it just the networking connections, finding people or it's uh, growth in some way that is also accelerated by that? Big accounts, elevating big accounts. Yeah, when you see someone growing super fast, and they are like marketing influencers. They have a lot of background in marketing. Uh-huh. There might be a possibility that they are using such things. Either that or they are, you know, super good. And they have uh-huh. like a huge network. People, What people don't understand uh, is that when, for example, in my case, when I showed up on Twitter, I was no one. Like I didn't know any anyone from the U.S., I, I don't I don't know anyone from marketing. I, now I know, but but then I didn't know anyone from from the US who could help me. Yeah. I was trying to you know step by step build my uh, my brand uh, alongside them. And there are people who have like ten years experience of in marketing, and then they show up on Twitter. So it's natural that they will have a lot of growth happen mm-hmm. uh, very fast. And it's nothing you know. Um, if you are young, if you are, I see a lot of, you know, young, sometimes kids, you know, someone is 16, they join Twitter, they want to be, they want to start their own business so bad and they, they struggle because they don't grow as fast as, you know, a big guy with, with a lot of marketing experience. Mm. It's much more complicated than just, you know, showing up every day and spending 10, 10 minutes on the platform. Do you think people should grow and interact alongside people who are sort of on the same, let's say, social media level uh, in terms of followers or experience. Um, h- mm-hmm. How do you, like, do you show up saying that you're a nobody, you show up on Twitter uh, and you go after the big accounts and you try to DM and interact with them or you go after people who are on your level? First of all, what I think is that people, those big accounts shouldn't sell this dream. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing. The other thing is um, when, yeah, people say that you should network. People say that you should network with big accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a good experience with this, honestly. Um, I found some friends who are bigger on Twitter, who are big accounts, uh, but it was a minority. Most people don't care and it's okay. It's not like I'm calling them out in any way, or I am trying to be you know, start a drama or some of some sorts. <laughs> they are, they are busy people. They have like a lot of going on. They don't have time for Kuba from Poland, who just you know showed up from nowhere and he tries to be a marketer. So now, after I proved myself a couple of times, I after I went viral a couple of times, after I you know showed that I really care about my job, they started to respect me. They started to notice me. They started to. Uh, care about my content which is natural when you reach out to a professional and you are not on the same level you can't expect them to be 
over the moon that you are mm -hmm. reaching out to them, you know? I guess your clients, all of them reach out to you uh, as sort of inbound lead or have you yeah. reached out to them as well? You got some clients from outbound, no. no. It 100%. I know it sounds unrealistic, yeah. but but yeah, no. it it was 100% inboundly. Are you are you open to share how much revenue uh, you generated just from your services? Because I guess that's your biggest part of, of revenue right now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So since I began, I want to say around um, sixty thousand dollars. That's less than a year, I guess, right? Yeah. This is September. Still September. Okay, we're talking, it's uh, in the middle of May right now. So uh -huh. yeah, that's much less than a year. It's an amazing result. Do you have some Thank goal you. that for uh, for, the, for this year, like monetary goal? No, at all. I, I just wanted to, uh, I have business, more business side of things, goals. I want to make sure that the business is sustainable. I want to make sure that I have some, you know, I have some vacation. I... <laughs> <laughs> Solopreneurs don't get vacations. Mm -mm. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Hustlers. Actually, I'm not a solopreneur. Uh, I'm not a solopreneur. I have a business partner and a life partner oh. as well, uh, who who I'm building this business with. Uh, we When I started, uh, when I uh, joined Twitter and I was doing my first freelance gigs, I had a solopreneurship. But then uh, as the business grew, we decided to move to a, um, to a partnership and it, it, you know, it opens much more possibilities for, uh, you know, international growth. So, so now I have a business partner. Do, do you do the same uh, copywriting uh, things or you complement each other's skills with some other, um, like I don't know, design or something? He is doing more uh, back office things. So he takes care of, because in European Union, as you probably know as well, there are a lot of documents you have to fill out. There are a lot of <laughs> things you have to follow, rules you have to abide by. Uh, so uh, he takes care of that because he's a lawyer. Uh, so he, he knows how to talk with uh, with people at tax office, um, I don't know. I I just you know when I see them calling, I just give my phone to to Simon, and he also has a background in Python, uh, so uh, he helps me with data visual visualization. He helps me with the data storytelling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he That's helps cool. me figure out the numbers behind the mar marketing. That's awesome. Uh, I actually am also in a duopreneurship, and that. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it, it, it helps to have someone, even if they don't necessarily do the same things as you do, uh, but also as a sort of support. Uh, a yeah. lot of creators, I think, doing it on their own. That's why communities are so big, because people need this support, right? Yeah. You need someone on, on your side. Uh, let's move to my little favorite part of the show, which is the quick fire round. Oh, just, just a few very, very fast questions. Uh, and I ask you for one word, maximum one sentence answers, okay? And have get, you can have your time thinking about it but uh, but shoot me straight and shoot me short uh Thanks. ready yeah all right team player or lone wolf team player take risks or carefully calculate take risks mobile or desktop desktop who inspires you most shit <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce. Wow. <laughs> um, I know the answer to that question, but it's standard, so I'll ask it anyway. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? No, <laughs> not actually that. Oh. Um, yeah, I would love 
I would love to be a surgeon. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So very sorry for assuming that I know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, what is an underappreciated business tool that you couldn't live without? Fidget spinner. What's uh, product, your productivity life hack? Stand up. And what does success mean to you? Peace of mind. Awesome. So I wish you a peace of mind and I wish you reach your business goals. And uh, Thank you. And I hope to see you around on Twitter and on other platforms. To, to end with, um, as a formerly aspiring actor, um, why I don't see your face over video anymore? Why is it just written content? Uh, because I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> An early, early scoop. Exclusive, exclusive. Exclusive. So what is what is the plan? Give, give us a little scoop. Yeah, so I'm planning to launch a YouTube channel this year, which Carol will be helping me with. I hope so. <laughs> Carol. <laughs> and um, yeah, but I'm I'm planning to uh, to create a like, completely fun YouTube channel that will share some nice hacks about content, but also it will not be a YouTube channel about marketing. It will, it will be a YouTube channel about what's happening in, in content creation. It's in content and AI and storytelling. Yeah, it will be super fun. Content Cuba knows what happens in content creation and having our own podcast editor, Carol, on top of that, yeah. it's going to be an instant success. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kuba, for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. As you see, fast and genuine growth is possible if you treat social media as a job. Otherwise, you may enjoy it, but without work, you probably won't build much of a business. And if you do want to build a business online, please join me next week when I interview another successful creative entrepreneur. Take care.